Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Simon Killer. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm in Paris now. About to start traveling. I spent a lot of time reflecting on our relationship. I know that I need this time to grow and put my life in order. Your mother said you were having a hard time. Can you look at me? Yeah, I, uh, I miss you. I just broke up with my girlfriend. Sincerely, Simon. I'd like to meet somebody new. Excuse me, more. Salut. Salut. You want to see French strip club? How long have you worked at the bar? A few months. Do you want to make fun? Hey, Mom. Things are great. I met someone. I think you'd like her. Most of these guys, they are married, right? Probably, yeah. Instead of taking a little money from a lot of men, you could take a lot of money from one. Renee, there's this video that Victoria would like to show you. Please send her a message with your email. That's all, that's all, that's all. Dance with me. I'm a dance floor. I can take Renee, we need to talk about more money. Are you okay? I'm fine. We need to go as soon as possible. I don't like the way you're looking at me. What did you do? here on holiday. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Nigel Smith from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Brady Corbet, Antonio Campos, Sean Durkin, and Matthew Palmieri. So I have to say, how awesome is that trailer, guys? It's really awesome. It's a really awesome trailer. Did any of you, uh, does any of you have anything to do with the, the cutting? Mark Woolen cut it. And uh, he's a brilliant uh, trailer editor. And uh, he did Martha, and he's also done Soderbergh stuff and Fincher stuff. And um, he, he, he uh, this was the first, basically the first cut that we got. And we had to work on securing music for it. Mm -hmm. Now, well, it's a wonderful trailer. It's a bit vague. So can one of you kind of offer a plot synopsis and um, speak to you know who Simon is and uh, who this dark character that, that Brady plays is? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, the, the story revolves around a, uh, Simon going to Paris to begin a, a sort of Euro trip um, after graduating college and getting out of a long-term relationship. And uh, he starts it off in Paris, where uh, he stays with a family friend. And then um, he sticks around Paris a little too long and, and uh, ends up going to this brothel. And meets this uh, young prostitute, Victoria, and he kind of weasels his way into her life, and they start this um, scam, this blackmailing scam, and that's sort of the beginning of the end of the movie. 
Now you two wrote this while you were making Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, correct? Well, we first started talking about it the summer of, uh, of Martha, Marcy, um, and then and Antonio started uh, putting it down on paper uh, while we were shooting Martha, and I mean, w whenever we weren't working, um, he and I were in a hotel room or, uh, you know, a diner or wherever we were, um, talking about uh, a film that we intended to make in just uh, a couple months' time. I mean, from inception to production was very, very quick uh, because of, uh, of, of Matt Palmieri um, and, and Josh Mond, uh, our producers. Um, and, um, and I, I mean, from we, we wrapped production in when on Martha? What was uh, the date? And uh, September 25th, I think. And, and, you, and you, Matt, you went to, to Paris with Josh when? To we went to Paris a week later. And and we and then Antonio and I we followed a, a few yeah. weeks later. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, it was it was very very quick, yeah. un unusually quick. So where do the seeds for this this project in particular stem from? Either from from you, Brady, Brady or from you, Antonio. Where, where does it come from? The yeah. story. What was the inspiration behind the uh, story? It started. Um, it started in. I, I I became obsessed with this writer named George Simonon and. Uh, Simonon was a sort of Simon came from the name Simonon, and um, and uh, I became obsessed with his work. And and uh, he's one of these writers, this really prolific kind of writer that writes a lot of books. And there's this these reoccurring themes and and male central central male figures, and um, really inspired uh, this idea of Simon. This, and then I think the other thing to say would be I, I went through a breakup at the time, and. Uh, and I think I, I I was interested in in doing a really really dark breakup movie, and um, Simon is an exploration of all the sort of strange um, confusion, anxiety, anger towards towards myself, and that that I started going through, and and so Simon is bur birthed out of that, but. Um, you know, so he, he, he sort of, like in the same way that Robert from After School was born out of some strange, dark place, and he became something else, um, and an exploration of these strange places, I guess, in, in, in myself and Brady, that, uh, that as men, that we, we tried not to always deal with. Now, Brady, did, this, did the role scare you or intimidate you in any way? in conceiving it, you know, knowing full well that you would be the man inhabiting this uh, I suppose I morally corrupt would, would, guy. I wouldn't have conceived it if I was scared of it, but yeah. I mean, the no, I, yeah, of course. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, spending a lot of time naked um, on camera is uncomfortable for, for anyone. Um, Physically. Yeah, but it, but at a, at, a, at a certain point, uh, you know, these are not things that concern me too much, and, and I, was, I was much more concerned with um, with with just making sure that with the schedule that we had um, and with the very very loose uh, screenplay that we were working with um, that you know I'd I'd be able to do a good job but uh, but beyond that no there was nothing that frightened me no and also when you're I've I've worked with Antonio Sean and Josh on several movies now and were they're my best friends so I mean it's not. The, the, you know, you, I felt like that, you know, both my performance and my body were in good hands. So. Could you make this film with, you know, filmmakers that you weren't that 
familiar with? Uh, if if they were good filmmakers, I mean, we're friends, but um, I, I, but uh, you know, they're better filmmakers than they are friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is not true. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's true. No, but I'm. But you know, I, I don't. I, I, don't I don't. I don't work with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like have a Lars Vinchers phone number on your your speed dial. I do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I interviewed you earlier today. I'm cheating a bit, but you revealed to me that you were actually going through a breakup. Um, you know, right before shooting this film as well. Can you talk a bit about? working through that on film for for the world to see yeah yeah it was tough um i was i was really sad and i was losing somebody in my life that meant a lot to me at the time and, and or still does um and uh and it was um it, it, it was a lot to cope with it would have been a lot to cope with on on a film about anything but uh, considering the subject matter um it 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 hit home and um and it was you know a raw nerve that for the sake of the film um, you know, we, we tried to leave exposed. Do you think making this film is something you kind of needed at the time? Um, yeah, I mean, I needed, I needed to do something. Um, I mean, I, uh, it was, uh, sure, it was cathartic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing, um, the whole thing unraveled in a very strange way. I mean, uh, I mean, there was so much going on at the time back home and, um, and, and 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 Brady's this this thing happened uh, as we were as we were testing the camera, and uh, we had gotten the camera that morning to test it out, and um, and I mean still looking at that that uh, test footage is really haunting because um, you know Brady muscled through as he, as he always does because he's a professional and he's committed to what he's doing and. And uh, it's it's just you know you were going through something on camera and, and then that sort of you know continued on um, but it was it was the the nice thing about it was that there was a there was there was a safe I mean it felt safe the whole thing felt safe you know and and um, and you're amongst friends and it was very intimate and um, and so yeah you could be you know going through something for real. In front of the camera, and, that, and 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 in regards to working with people that you're close to, I mean, I it's it's maybe this this particular um, unforeseen uh, situation that that would have been harder for me to cope with if I wasn't working um, people that with people that I'm so close to. Antonio, I have to ask, did you ever worry of exploiting, you know, his heartache um, to elicit a, a great performance? No, uh, because it's not. I, you know, I didn't plan it. You know, I yeah, exactly. I was like, I called up his girlfriend, and I was like, hey, you know, it'd be great to do right before we start shooting. Just FYI, um, up his life, yeah. Just ruin everything. Um, and come to town and do it. Yeah, and then come and then come visit. That would be really this. It's like this master plan. I mean, I'd be a genius if I was, you know, some evil genius to do that. But no, uh, it was more like this is going on. Let's not, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to confront it on camera. And, um, and, and in the same way, I mean, you know, I'm not on camera, so I'm one step removed. But, in the, but I'm, I, I, I'm putting a great deal of myself out there as well. And so, um, you know, if, 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 if I don't do that uh, as a filmmaker, then I feel like I'm not doing something and I'm not giving as much of myself as I should. And so, um, you know, in general, I, I feel like actors 
should give something. It doesn't necessarily have to be that direct, but I think that, you know, the thing that makes this film special is that you put something out there and you capture a moment that, that exists uh, forever in time and, um, you know, you really capture something real. And, uh, and part of the reason to shoot the film that we sh the way that we shot it and, and taking our time with takes and letting things sort of, you know, letting, just discovering moments on set, that, that was all kind of in conducive to, 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 to to something cathartic and therapeutic, and, and we were, uh, you know, we 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 were both very interested in in chasing the truth, like we're chasing this character's truth and and the story's truth. Um, so you know that happened. And Brady, you've been in, involved in a number of great films. Uh, I have to ask, did any experience kind of compare to this one in that respect, where you really used, you know, your your own life and your personal recent personal experience to feel your art? No, because I'm not a method actor, and I don't believe in method acting. Um, and um, I, you know, I think it functions for some people just fine, but I think most of those people um, are talented enough that they could do exactly what they do without it, probably. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not usually, I, I, this was a situation where, you know, I, I had I had no choice, it overtook me. Um, but but in, in general, I, 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 I would never treat my life in such a cheap fashion as to, you know, um, as, as, as to, to merge my, my personal life and my professional life to that degree. But there was that cult that you and John Hawk started. That <clears throat> there was that there, cult there was that, that we started cult, yeah. for a while on, on Martha Marcy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and with that, we're going to watch the first scene uh, from the film. So, you know where everything is? Just uh, change the sheets at the end. Make sure the heater is off and kitchen's clean. Yeah, yeah. And how long will you be away? Um, I'm going to the south, so maybe a week, maybe a month. Je pas, ça dépend. But you'll be here for a week or much longer? No, no, no. Just a week. I have to figure out where I'm going to next. Ah, bon. Um, leave the key under the mat, outside. I'm sorry, I have to leave just when you arrive. It's okay. Don't worry. Have a safe trip. Thank you. On va se ta maman pour moi. I will. I will. Bye. Ciao. I wasn't going to get into this right away, but the scene begs a question about about the music in the film, which plays such a pivotal role in, um, you know, in uh, trying to get inside uh, Simon's psyche. So, in after school, music didn't play such a huge part in didn't the play film. Any, any it played part. no part. So, <laughs> so there's only one reference to it. Yeah. Like, so why, why is such a why such a heavy focus on um, you know soundtrack for this film in particular? I mean, it just felt right and. Um, and uh, we didn't do it at all in after school, so sort of said this should be just wall-to-wall -wall music. Um, but it, it um, you know, it was born out of. I mean, Simon is very much of a, a character of this generation, and um, and uh, the minute we knew he'd have this these um, iPod headphones, and 
uh, you know, it just, it just, we knew that this would be the soundtrack, that this would be the sort of soundscape of the movie with these sort of these stings of, of pop music. Um, and then eventually we, we, we started playing with Sonder uh, and Danny, who did the music uh, on To Get to Sleep and Martha. And um, we came up with a counterpoint to that, that kind of music. Now, Brady, did you listen to the, the, the same music? Did Antonio already know what music he was going to choose? Yeah, we were, we, were play, we were constantly playing songs for each other. Um, you know, I mean, we were, we were mostly looking at a lot of music that, that probably had been released within, like, the last four years. I mean, because there was, there was some attention to, to you know, this, this being a, 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 a portrait of a young man right now. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, it's, the, the, the film is a little bit of a, a, a sign of the times in certain, in certain ways in regards to how desensitized this young man is to his environment. You know, he's walking around uh, uh, the Louvre in the Musée d'Orsay um, and, and never taking a moment to take his headphones out. I mean, he's, he's, um, uh, he, he's lonely, but he seems to be making a, a, make a point of, uh, of not relating to anybody, um, which is obviously something we do every day on the subway here in New York or whatever. You often hear about how actors use music in order to kind of get into a scene, into a mood. Is that a technique you used, and did you use it on this set? I don't know. I mean, I think I've maybe done that before. I, I don't really have any techniques. Um, I mean, I, or, 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 if, or if they do, um, I'd, 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 I'd be lying if I said I'd thought about them too much. Mm-hmm. And Sean, Antonio, do either of you use music on set to instill a mood within your crew? Actors? No, I, I sort of believe everyone, um, you know, has their own way of doing things and just letting each person do it, what it is that, that they do and be there for however they need you to be there as a director. So some people like to go off and listen to music, other people like to talk a lot, other people don't like to talk. You know, it's about doing what's best for that, for that actor. Uh, on this last commercial we tried, we were shooting in a, a nightclub and tried to put music on, on the stereo, actually put the Simon Killer soundtrack on, and it, people just sort of worked through it. There was really nothing he was doing. Um, I think if you're going to do it, you have to be very specific and you have to be very, um, you really have to get everybody to settle in and, and sort of let it play and then go into the scene. But, but yeah. I've, I've seen it before. You know, uh, you know um, Lars von Trier on Melancholia, he played um, the, the Wagner piece that ends that film. He played it during the last scene on loudspeakers for the actors. I mean, I, and, and there's other people I know that, that have done it, but that was really, he knew that that's how the film was going to end. He knew he was going to use this piece of music. And, um, and so I, I think it can be very beneficial. I think it can be really interesting. But I've, I've never, I've never uh, d- done it before. Would he, would he stop it? He would just play it for a minute or two minutes and then stop no, it? No, no, no. They record... He, I, I, think that, I, think, I think the breathing must... I was only on, on set for the end of the movie for maybe 45 minutes. The music never stopped during that period of time, but I, I think with the heavy breathing and stuff that it was just done uh, in ADR. Hmm. I guess the one thing we have done is when we know uh, what music we're going to have in a scene, we play it live. During the you scene? Know. Yeah, during oh, the really? scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I did that a, a couple times on something I just did, and you guys did it here, didn't you? We did it on didn't scenes you? where we danced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah in the nightclub, night yeah. yeah. we did do it, uh, and it got us into trouble, but we did do it, yeah. I mean, because we had a song that we, we, we were like, we had gotten, I mean, I'll say it now, because whatever, but um, we, we had pumped up kicks. That, you know that song? That, uh, 
Oh, yeah, that one. All the other kids with you pumped up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So I mean, his, actually, his rendition, you didn't rendition, immediately yeah. recognize <laughs> it. We, we had that song on Mars. Like, we had this song. Brady had gotten the song, and we had it on... We were listening to it in the we, car we every demo. day on Martha. And, like, no one had heard it. And then we went to Paris, and we're like, this is the theme song for the film. And, uh, and we were, were using it quite a bit. And... Um, and we had it in the dancing. That was going to be sort of the crucial... Oh, instead of LCD... Um, the spectral display. Instead of spectral display. Yeah, the, the spectral. LCD was actually LCD. Yeah, oh, LCD was all a CD. And, and it took about a year to get... Um, and we finally did get it. And yeah. Took, um, Great scene. Yeah. I won't give it away. Yeah, but that, that was LCD. And, and a spectral display someone introduced us to at, at the same, that same night. But, um, yeah, we used Pumped Up Kicks to, to do the dancing. And then... When we came back, about three months, and in the bedroom, sorry, yeah, in the dancing in the bedroom, and then three months later, I was at a, a we were at a wedding, and uh, and uh, it was on it was on the in, on, on the radio, or the DJ was playing it, and at that point, I knew this is not going to work anymore because it's gone too big, and um, and then we had to really find this other song, and, and luckily, Spectral Display, which we had already sort of gone after and um, uh, been working towards getting. Worked in that scene. It just took a lot of clever sound design from Carl Anderson. Has James Murphy seen the film? I'd love to know what, what he thought of it. No, I don't know. I don't know what James has seen. James has seen. And James was kind enough to give us the song for a very uh, fair, very fair, very, um, I mean, crazy price. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. James Murphy is a very hard person to pin down. Because I, th I think his film premiered the same year mm -hmm. that yours did. The comedy Sundance. and uh, and their doc. Yeah. Yeah, we, they were all there. It was a busy year for him. But it was very funny when we spoke to James. He was he was he was very cute because he said, you know, we said we're having a really hard time replacing the song, and we really we 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 really don't know what to replace it with. And he was like, yeah, well, good luck because he was like the tempo is basically just like early '80s hip hop. And so he and he he was like you're not gonna find anything to replace it. And luckily he he was he was uh, sympathetic enough. I mean I, I know he's he's seen he's seen the sequence, but we don't know if he's seen the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, now the film's not only set in Paris, but it has this very European tone and sensibility, much like you know the most of the output of uh, borderline films, including Martha Marcy May Marlene and and um, After School. Just in its tone, its pacing, its look. Mm -hmm. um, it's focused on a sole character that's kind of impenetrable in many ways, like the, mm -hmm. like Martha and Marthy Mace, Mar Mar Macy. Martha Marcy Macy. Martha Marcy. Lord, that's a tough title. Um, <laughs> can you talk a bit, all four of you, about you know, all three of you, about your uh, your love of European cinema that's so palpable, you know, in 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 your work. Um, Even if that's a you know correct assessment, and correct me if I'm to totally off base. Uh, no, no, it's not at all. I mean, we, we have a love for European cinema. We also love Hollywood movies, and um, and uh, and uh, that's kind of what's speared all of us. Um, you're sort of, you know, really inspired all of us, and uh, and so, you know, it, the European thing. It's it, it, there's like this the European aesthetic, but we never really. It, it was never like we sat down and we said. You know, you know what's you know what's really cool right now is like European movies, and we should make these um, slow, impenetrable kind of narratives. Um, but it was more just like you know when we were in film school, those are 
I mean, th those were the films that really, um, really, really, really struck us. Yeah, I, I feel, um, I couldn't, I, I, I think for me it was more of seeing certain moments in films that really struck me. Um, like seeing, seeing moments in um, Michael Haneke's films or Antonioni. Um, really specific uh, things as opposed to thinking about it in any sort of larger way. And, and um, I think those single moments made a real impact on me. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think as, as a group of films, I think uh, 70s American films, which were influenced by European films, uh, is m probably more a whole of what really inspires me still. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what that was way more of what we were going back to and hearkening back to with Simon was seventies American cinema. I think it's, I think seventies American cinema is probably the best decade of movie making, in my opinion. I think, but there, there, you, it, you just kind of and you stumble on films like we remember. Sean showed me Straight Time, which is an amazing little film that mm, no one ever talks about with Dustin Hoffman by a guy named Uli Grossbard and. Um, you know, it's just like these these little gems. There was just something in the air, and and the way that they were approaching, um, you know, movies, in in a Hollywood system that just has never been done before and or again. Yeah, I feel I feel what's so appealing about them is everything now is so structured, um, and has to be so perfect and concise and. and there uh, shaggy dogs. Yeah. In those movies. <laughs> and and those and those movies are all they all have flaws and they all come through and. You know, um, maybe they're not the best, tightest films for that, but they just, they just breathe and don't, uh, you know, they don't fall into some category. And they're inf infinitely more ambitious. I mean, I think that, I think that the one thing that all of us have in common is we're interested in making something which is, which is uh, ambitious and radical um, and 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 hopefully progressive in some way. And and if if we fail, at least we we failed trying to do something great as opposed to trying to make something perfect and hom homogenized and um, uh, you know like like most things that we s like most movies we see in a year are movies that are made by a committee of people as opposed to you know one or two or three. Now Matt and Sean, this is a question for you two. From a producer's perspective, um, we were talking about you know uh, opaque characters. I mean, were you, either of you two kind of wary going into Simon Killer that you know this film would be a, diffi a difficult sell you know to um, to an audience, just given the moral ambiguity of the tale and the, the the dark nature and the fact that you know Simon is kind of impenetrable for much of the film. You know, I, I didn't think about that either with when I was got involved with Martha or, or with this. Uh, I just looked at it as characters that I could relate to. I mean, um, with Martha, when, with the cult, I grew up in a place where a lot of kids got sucked into cults when I was growing up. And so that's what I related to when Sean and, 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 uh, and the gang asked me to be involved in that. I could relate to that in a very, very, you know, uh, substantive way. And then when... Ant and, and Brady and I started talking about Simon uh, over drinks on the set of Martha two weeks before we were rapping. You know, he was talking about a character that I, kn I know really well, that I've, I've run into over and over and over again, whether it's in New York or LA or Paris or wherever. And so I finally, I fully just, I got involved because of 
the characters were so interesting to me, and the stories were interesting, and also and then and working with Antonio and, and Sean and Brady. Um, it's all about that. And I, don't, I, I, I didn't for a second think about whether the character was uh, someone, something that, or the movie was something that anyone's going to watch or not, because it's, uh, it's not about that to me, or, or to these guys. And I knew that. Yeah, and, and we, ne we, never, we never think ahead. Like, we really try to focus on um, uh, just what's, what is the character we want to follow and, and what does that character do and, and uh, let the film um, find its feet that way. And, and luckily, we've you know, been able to have great partnerships like Matt to you know, create that. Yeah, I mean, I also the other thing to note is that Matt got involved in this in a very... I mean, it's very unusual for uh, anyone to finance a film without a screenplay, and he did. And I and and it was, you know, I I, I think it's because he 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 was th there was this connection to the character and also the the feeling of like, you know, there was something very exciting about Simon because it felt like um, it felt like we were going on an adventure and um, we were going to explore this character in a very like a very uh, very honest, um, dark way, and, and um, we were going to do it on the streets of Paris, and there was kind of, I don't know, there was some, there's, the, Simon was probably the most draining and exciting process uh, that I went through, and, and after it, um, I remember going onto a commercial set, and I, it felt like a breeze, because there's nothing scarier than going onto a set every morning, and, um, and sometimes showing up with uh, with pages written on, in a notebook, and um, you know, every day I knew we had there was what we had to get, but sometimes the path to it was just it was just every day was this kind of new challenge, and every night was was a a, a process of reviewing and, and reflecting and, and figuring out what we're going to do the next day, and, and and it moved very smoothly, you know, considering what we what what the foundation of the project was, but it was because we all believe in what we're doing and we all have a very strong sense of the kind of cinema we want to make. And we speak the same language, I mean all of us. Yeah. I mean it was, uh, there was, there was excitement in the air. We were nervous about making a movie in this way but we were all excited about it. I for one am very thankful that it was made. <laughs> Thank you very much. Love the film. Um, we're going to watch one more scene from the film and then we're going to open it up to the audience for questions. What about their wives? I mean, do you, do you ever think about their wives? No, I don't think about that. I don't think about that. Well, I mean, think about it for a second, because most of these guys, they, they are probably married, right? And if their wives knew about you, then, well, they'd be very upset. They would ruin their lives. Probably, yeah. And, you know, take the guy tonight, for instance. I mean, is he married? Yeah, he is. Does he have money? Yeah, he does. Oh, okay. I mean, imagine this. Your phone, I mean, your phone, it doesn't have a camera, but if it did, you take this and you put it right here. Here, go sit over there. 
And whatever happened in that room, you would have it. And then what? And then... Huh? And then... I mean, instead of taking a little money from a lot of men, you could take a lot of money from one. That's my um, that's my favorite traumatic pause in all of cinema. <laughs> um, I, I actually, just before we open up to a Q and A, you know, um, um, Maddie Diop isn't with us tonight. Who who plays the female lead? Um, and she is um, one of the greatest collaborators that I think any of us have ever had. And gives an insanely beautiful performance that's uh, restrained and and painful. Um, and I just, I just wanted to acknowledge her because yes. she should be here with us. Yes, this is only should. her second film, right? Her second film as an actress. Uh, she's, shots she's had a short, she had a short film retrospective. She's a director as well, and she's an amazing director. And I mean, it just the, this film wouldn't have been the same without her. I mean, she kind of was a godsend. Yeah, she blessed us. Also, the other thing to note about that scene, if you if you thought he was acting weird, he he's doing a lot of cocaine in that scene. Oh, really? It's a good. I think it's a, it's contextually you kind of need to know that that he's. That's that's not method act. That's not. That's yeah. That's not method act. That's no. That's baby powder or whatever. There, there's a very clever thing that he devised. The uh, the guy rolled up a dollar bill uh, and he put um uh, uh, um cotton in there, and so the the fake powder that they had they would get sucked up but the cotton would absorb it because you always see in movies people they, they when they do cocaine scenes they're either doing either vitamin B or they're do this this crazy trick was such a brilliant that's trick. what they did on uh, Spring Breakers Spring Breakers yeah a was lot of vitamin, vitamin B. B that's what they said that's why they're all looking so good <laughs> I was wondering if uh, the movie addresses prostitution beyond the situation that the woman and your lead gets into and more of the role it plays in society or why Brady chooses um, this specific woman to get involved with to start his blackmailing plan? Uh, it doesn't go, it does, it's not a, a social commentary on prostitutes um, or, or a sort of in-depth documentary look at that universe. Though we tried to be as authentic to that world that we were, because there's there's two sort of, I guess three. There's the the in Paris. If you're gonna look at prostitution in Paris, there's escorts, and then there's these hostess bars, which operate kind of in a gray area, and then there's streetwalkers. And streetwalkers tend to be the ones that are trafficked in, and um, um, and and that's kind of what the police are focused on cracking down. Um, so the film was focused on this hostess bar, which is kind of a, it's a kind of, it's, it's an institution there, Pigalle's institution in Paris. And so we weren't interested in creating, um, you know, the, the way that the wor that world unfolds is actually, there's no like killer, you know, there's like no killer pimp or anything like that. It kind of, there's this kind of camaraderie between her and the other girls in the bar. It's more about the way that 
this character views women and these two sides of women that he views that is explored and Maddie represents, Victoria represents one, that one side and, and the other girl that he gets involved in a little later represents another. And yeah, I mean, but and, and, and he is a character that very, very much objectifies women. Um, I mean, he's a character that, that, that seems uh, more innocent than, than he perhaps is. And, uh, and, and so it's, the, the, film's, the film's more about him um, and, uh, th than, than it is about that. He, he does bad things. These clips and sort of, he does, he does a lot of bad things eventually. It is called Simon Killer. Simon Killer, yeah. Killer. The title. Do you have another question? Oh, here we go. Follow up. I was just thinking it seemed that based off that clip, he was trying to, you know, make her feel bad for the profession that she chose to be in, at the same time exploiting said profession to make himself money. Exactly. So it is yeah. very much just exactly. like, That's you know exactly what you're right. doing is wrong, but <laughs> yeah. now that you know that, let's make yeah. some money. But yeah. you should feel exactly. really bad exactly. about doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And, the whole, and the whole film is about that kind of manipulation. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, that's what the whole whole movie's about. Yeah, I mean, he, he in the beginning of that scene, he asks, um, I mean, basically asks, "Do you like what you do?" <laughs> which is which is the silliest question to ask someone who's in that that world and that profession. And and um, and she gives a very blunt answer, which is, you know, sometimes people don't do what they like, but what they have to. Um, which was an answer that we 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 heard many times um, when we were talking to people in that world as we did uh, research for the film. Hey guys, uh, you mentioned music being one way that you called out that this character was very of this moment. What other themes did you explore? What other ways did you say this is a, a man of today? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of technology in the film. I mean, there's, it's, it's funny because Antonio was very, very um, uh, particular uh, about, um, uh, because of how quickly a film can be dated when there's technology in a film, he was very particular to never actually see an iPod. Um, there's, a, you, there's, a, there's a computer screen in, uh, in a wide shot, but even that is, is uh, you're, you're, you're seeing uh, just the screen exposed, not so much what kind of computer it is. Um, but, but there's a lot, um, there's, 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 a, there, there's, there's quite a bit in the film, even in regards to there's, t there's, te there's text messages at, at some point. Is there text messages? No, maybe no, there's no, not. There's Excuse the, but me. The email, the email is a device through which we find out about Simon's ex-girlfriend and and past. The way, yeah, in his past, and and the and the way that he edits uh, his his when when I'm well, there's these voiceovers throughout the film these these emails back to his ex girlfriend and also to his mother, um, and uh, he you know he stops himself in the middle of um, of these sort of uh, monologues or these letters and then um, and starts over and 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 and, you, and and through this process after it happens a few times in the film you realize the way that he's 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 editing his language. So it's like love, best, warmest Simon. It's mm -hmm. you know this kind of a thing. Skype is also used in the film, right? Skype is used in the yeah. film. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, they showed after school um, again the first feature uh, that I directed that we did as a company, and um, that film has a lot of uh, computer screens and a lot of technology integrated in it. And and it was funny because I I felt like. 
I was like, oh, this film still is relevant um, today. But some people got hung up on um, how old everything felt five years ago, six years ago. Like the webcam. Sonder was commenting on the webcam. It was like, oh, man, that webcam is so old. It's like, that webcam is like six years old. It's really not that big of a deal. But, um, but there is, it's interesting because that the, 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 I don't know, the, the, it almost feels like because of how fast technology moves, it's like, you do feel like you're already dated yourself by putting anything in there. Um, but the fundamentals of the technology don't really change what they're doing, you know. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the, the one thing I really loved in doing After School was the texture of the webcam and the texture of the cell phone video, especially when it's blown up and it looks so, it looks like a piece of impressionist art, you know, it's just so weird and, and, and pixely. Hi, um, I kind of can't get over the outline part, and I think that's so cool. Um, I'm currently a freshman at NYU studying film, and they keep on like structure, structure, writing, writing, writing. So I'm just wondering if going to film school affected your attitude and like your desire to go in that way. Yeah, we went to NYU. We we went to NYU um, in 2002, and then um, we um, we actually were just back there to show Simon. And it was weird being back there, and um, it, it's there's so much that we did learn, I think, looking back. But I think the, the biggest thing we got out of it were, were the the partnerships, the like the the people that we still work with to this day, for the most part, in terms of crew, um, are people we went to NYU with. Um, but the thing with with screenwriting, it, it is it is crucial. I mean, you can't um, dismiss it. Uh, you kind of have to learn it. You ha kind of have to go through that pain of writing screenplays, and, and we go through it pretty regularly, the pain of writing. Um, but uh, there, there is the thing at the very end of the day, and the thing that the reason why the outline works is because um, if you have, if you do your job in casting, and you have a sense of, you have an ear for dialogue and things like that, those are things you can, pr you can figure out and, and fix and, and tweak. Um, structure is very is something very specific. Structure is really important, I, I think, and I think that um, you, you. In fact, in fact, the outline was was only structure. Yeah. I mean, it was primarily structure. Yeah. Um, I mean, the you know w we we had a pretty rough idea of 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 of, of uh, about at w at what point in the runtime we would sort of be before things uh change but i mean that's a the thing is is that i it's it's one of those things where there's on the one hand this, you know the, an exact science can be applied to it but then there's there's a musicality that you have to just sort of trust in yourself i mean some people have that that music inside of them, and and just in, innately understand the medium and this and, and tempo in a way, and then and then so, there's some people that don't, but but it, it's um uh and 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 who really who really absolutely should always rely on having something that's very very tight before they go into uh, production. But it's an interesting way to work. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really key to to know, uh, especially at school, to find out how you work. Um, I could never make a movie the way that they made Simon. I know that, but <clears throat> I also know that I personally don't like scripts with traditional structure, um, but I do need a finished script. Um, so, you know, I've, I discovered all of that and traditional structure just never made sense to me, no matter how many times they told, told me. And so I knew that I wasn't gonna write like that and that was okay, you know, once you know that's okay. But if you are someone who does respond to that, then that 
can be great too, you know? So I think it's just about finding, um, as a filmmaker, what, how it is you like to work, and that can change from film to film as well. So I'd also say study acting. Studying acting is actually a good thing, um, just because then you start thinking, when you start thinking in terms of your character, and you start thinking in terms of where am I coming from, where am I going, what am I trying to get out of this, uh, what am I saying, what am I really saying, those kind of things. Um, that you're, you're still, it's like there's a logic to it. There's almost more of a logic to studying acting than I think sometimes studying screenwriting. Um, because you're trying to figure out the way that you know your character is behaving and the intention and the logic that he's using in the decision making, and, and that's carrying you from one scene to another. Um, so the, for me, a lot of uh, what, I, what became really helpful, I realized, was studying acting and 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 what I got out of that, and in combination with studying writing when I when I studied it. I, I could ask one more question. Um, it stems from this lady's question over here about the uh, the prostitution question. We talked about it earlier today, but could we talk about the kind of misogynistic aspects of, uh, you know, what makes up Simon and what you and Antonio, you know, were, were trying to say about the the male psyche in, in, in making this film? I mean, the character is, a, is a, an amalgamation of, of most of the worst traits of, of, uh, of, of male behavior. I mean, he's a coward, um, and he's, um, and he, uh, whether he's a full-blown sociopath uh, or, or, or not um, is sort of left for all of you to decide, but I mean, he, he, has, he has a serious empathy problem with, uh, with empathy. For sure, um, but I mean, you know, these. As Matt said before, when he said, you know, when he when he f first uh, heard this story, you know, he was like, I know this guy, and 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 if you've lived in any kind of metropolitan environment, and it exists in, it totally exists outside of metropolitan environments, but there's a very very particular way that well-educated um, young man kind of cleverly disguise. Um, their um, dismissive attitudes towards women. Um, and so we wanted to make a movie that, or, or, or tell a story that, that uh, addressed something that, that we find personally uh, very, very disturbing. Um, and, you know, one of, I know you haven't seen the film. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just addressing this towards you since you initially asked. But the, the one of, the, there's an opening monologue where I tell this story about my breakup and then I casually, at the end of this monologue, I say, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's my fault, I don't know. And then I pause and then I say, well, whatever, she's a whore. And it gets a huge laugh every single time. Um, and, and the thing is, is and it, which is exactly what we sort of hoped for, because it immediately implicates the audience in, in something that they shouldn't be so comfortable hearing. I mean, it's like, you wouldn't be that comfortable hearing a racial slur. Um, and then the movie becomes an exploration of the of the gravity of that statement, um, and, um, and 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 it doesn't provide any answers. I mean, we would never be so gauche as to as to pretend that we know how to fix the problem. But I think the first step in in in, in fixing the problem culturally, um, which is something that we'll probably have to f try and fix in every generation in new ways as technology changes and pornography changes, etc. Um, is the first step is just to take a look at it. And so that's pretty much all this movie um, is, is asking of its, uh, of its audience. It's just like, hey, you know, take a look at this.
Okay, well, thank you, everybody. And the film uh, comes out on April 12th, and it's out in L.A. April 12th, and then uh, in a bunch of cities. This Um, Friday. This Friday, April 5th, at the IFC Center. Okay, well, thank you, Scott. Thank Thank you, you guys. Thanks very much.